What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. I'm Ben. And we're here to bring you our opinions on the news notes and happenings around the world of sports. Episode 187. Got some baseball and football talk for you today. Uh, so we're going to start off with the uh, MLB playoffs. The first round, or a wild card round, is in the books. And boy, was I way off. Um, <laughs> I think on... <laughs> I think on... Uh, on uh, yeah, uh, every every one of them. I think I, I think I was wrong. I think I picked uh, I picked the Blue Jays, the Rays, the Cardinals, and the Mets. And naturally, all four of those teams lost, which is why I don't gamble very often at all because I'm terrible at it. Uh, Tampa Bay, or excuse me, Cleveland beat Tampa Bay two with nothing. Uh, Seattle swept the Blue Jays as well two nothing. Philly swept the Cardinals two nothing, and the Padres beat the Mets two to one. Uh, so now the current matchups are the Guardians and Yankees, with the Yankees have a 1-0 lead. Mariners and Astros. Astros are up 2-0 in that series, best of five. Phillies and Braves, series tied 1-1, as is the Dodgers and Padres. I mean, you got a couple of guesses right. I'm terrible at this. I don't know why anybody listens to me at all anymore, truthfully. I think I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm. The equivalent of like the construction worker, you just give a Fisher Price toolbox to, so they don't hurt themselves or anybody else around them, and they can't damage anything. Uh, I think the safest thing to do is if I, if I predict someone's going to win, just go bet the other way. You might make a lot of money that way because I'm terrible. So it's a fair assumption. I mean, yeah, and, and that's why one of the reasons I think <laughs> I went to uh, a friend's birthday party this past weekend, and he had it at a casino, and. Um, I just bring like a set amount just to gamble, have a little bit of fun, and then I don't, I don't even consider anything past that because I'm so bad at it. I may as well just set the money on fire. At least that'll provide me some warmth for a few seconds, because uh, <laughs> otherwise I'm just flushing down the toilet. But um, I mean, I, you got a couple guesses right, um, so tell me what I'm doing wrong here, because I, I, you know, Blue Jays came in. Incredibly hot. I mean, Seattle had a great win streak throughout the season. Uh, they didn't really show up in the postseason. Rays, same thing. And the Rays are always, no matter what their what, no matter what their record is during the regular season, if they're in the postseason, they're dangerous just because of how scrappy they are. They always seem to find a way. I thought the Cardinals, the emotion from Pujols and Molina was going to carry them a lot further than it did. And the Mets, over 100 wins and out within the first week of the playoffs. This is why it's crazy. This is why every year, like, there's just these matchups you never anticipated happening in, in, in the ALCS, NLCS. Very seldom does it ever shake out exactly the way we think it will. Um, any thoughts? Well, here's what, here's what I'll say, Chris. With, with the Rays... The commonality with the Rays and success in the playoffs, and I say success, you know, playing past the wild card games, getting deep, whether it's uh, ALCS or World Series, they need that dominant, you know, Cy Young contending pitcher, David Price, Blake Snell. Hmm. You know, that's what they need to get there. They ha- they don't have it there. Um they had they have Kluber who had a, a okay season but not dominant. Like that's what they need. They need 
when they make these trades, you know, you know what trades I'm talking about. When they traded David Price, yep. when they traded Evan Longoria, you know, they make these deals to bring in that young talent, that high, high-end talent that needs to bubble up quickly. You know, you have Wander Franco on the team right now. Who else? Uh, the uh, uh, the outfielder, I keep forgetting his name. Um, Odorizzi? Uh, for the Rays? A Rosarino. A Rosarino. A Rosarino, thank you. Um, they need that talent to bowl up quickly, and maybe they don't have it yet. Maybe they have him on the roster, and he hasn't, you know, hit that peak performance yet. But that's what the Rays need because they they build themselves on a farm system. They move guys up the farm. If they can get them on a friendly contract, you know, 10 years, you know, $40 million, that's what they'll do. If they can't get them, they'll trade They'll trade them before they hit free agency. Um, and as far as uh, the other, the Mets, clearly a fraud team, clearly. Um because they're out in the wild card game, and, and the plus about the Mets, uh, and this is what I like from an ownership standpoint, is that the owner, um, what's his name, Steve Cohen, I think it is. Yeah, I believe so. Um, he's gonna throw money at it. Uh, he's he's going to put a, a a product on the field that their franchise can be proud of. So they went out and got uh, Lindor. Um, Who's the pitcher that I can't think of? Scherzer. Oh, Scherzer, uh, who did have, you know, some issues during the season, but he did end the season in the playoffs. Uh, they're going to throw money at it. They're going to find what they need, and they're going to fill that hole, whether it's, you know, some outfield help. Maybe they're looking for a little in, a little more in, from their infield. Honestly, you look at the their, their roster, like top to bottom, like, I don't see a lot of holes, you know, it, it may just be go out and get a corner or outfielder or a center fielder or upgrade their DH. But clearly they're a fraud team this year. They overperformed. They weren't, you know, the owners expects to win, but he's kind of just throwing everything together now. And I don't think they're there yet. And kind of like the the Blue Jays, they're not quite there yet. I think the Mets are a little closer than the Blue Jays, but the Blue Jays have that core that I think if they can keep together, it's long term success. And the other problem with, with is you have two dominant teams right now in the AL, and for better or for worse, Chris, the Yankees are a dominant team, and so are the Astros. That's sort of a problem they're going to have going forward. But I don't think we're too off. I just the Rays. I, I agree with you on the Rays. They could be, they can surprise you. They can come out, oh, yeah. and smack you in the face, and before you know it, you're out of the playoffs and they're on to the next round. You know, give me that dominant, give me that dominant starter, and that can toe the rubber, and I think they can do it. Yeah, and I mean. Postseason baseball, I mean, you probably see crazier things in postseason baseball than postseason in any other sport. Because it's it's odd. It's it football is a little bit different. 
Oh, I see. That was a much different, different game. But like, it, it's such a game that's run on adrenaline and emotion, and yeah, skill plays a huge part in it. Uh, chemistry is important, but I, I, I honestly feel to be effective, mm-hmm. chemistry is more important in baseball. Only because if and this is just a, a for instance, Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson don't like each other. As long as Kirk Cousins knows the route Jefferson's running, he can still throw him the ball. Jefferson's going to catch that ball. Jefferson's going to run with that ball. They don't have to have Chris. And I have no idea. They could be best friends. They could not. It's just a for instance. Mm-hmm. Not, not assuming anything. Just first thing that came to mind. For some reason, I don't know why. Baseball, pitcher and catcher don't get along. They communicate constantly throughout the game. There has to be a vibe there. There has to be chemistry. There has to be a connect. There has to be a level of respect for the knowledge of the other. I know people are going to shake their head. They're going to laugh at that and go, it doesn't matter. You're getting paid a lot of money. Money does not equal chemistry. We see this a lot in sports. where it, 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 Especially baseball. Guy is fantastic on a team. Goes to another team. High price free agent. Not the same player. So many different variables. Strength of batting, strength of the lineup around you. Stadium. Um, if you play in a place like Colorado, the weather is going to affect the way the ball carries. And that's going to be a difference. Um, what about your double play combo? Yeah, there's another one right there. You got to be able to know what that guy is going to do. And the only way you do that is with legitimate chemistry. And that's not something you can teach. You got to have players that have that, which is why a team like the Guardians, who have a $56 million payroll, are still in the postseason, and the Mets, who have the highest payroll in baseball, $231 million, uh, are out right now. Because, yeah, they played good during the regular season because they had a lot of talent. The Mets this year had the same problem the Dodgers had for years, which is, yeah, we got a bunch of guys in the team that like each other, but it's not real chemistry. Like, I'm sure, I know myself, I've worked with plenty of people who I was friendly with, who I got along good with, who I could work with just fine. But when push came to shove and, like, real life stuff happened, I wouldn't pick it on my phone and call on them. They weren't the ones who had my back, like, real friends do in real life outside of that. You got to find that real chemistry. You got to find players who are playing. It almost benefits you more to be a lower revenue team when you're trying to put a team with good chemistry together because you get a lot more guys who are trying to prove themselves. And this is not going to be a popular statement I'm about to make. You think after Aaron Judge gets paid, he's ever going to have another season like he had this year? Uh, No. Maybe. I don't think so. He never has to this point. And it's a contract year. And I'm not saying he's going to – I'm not saying he's going to dog it. I'm not saying it's going to be intentional. But the guy has been effective when he's played, but he's never been able to stay healthy a full season for the most part besides that first year when he came on as a phenom. It There's like intangibles. Like he's so determined to prove it. But then once he gets that paycheck, it's natural some of that edge comes off. Maybe not. Maybe it will. I don't know. But someone's going to have to pay a whole lot of money to find out. And it it's just... Like I said, 
The Mets this year, I think, had the same issue the Dodgers had for years, which is they just threw money at it. They brought in this guy. They brought in that guy. They threw money at this position, at that position. And they got a lot of really great players. And they won over 100 games. But playoff baseball is a whole different animal. And when the water got deeper, they couldn't swim. So we'll see. According to, uh, you know, things coming out from the Mets, it's going to be a lot of changes in the offseason. Pete Alonso was talking how it's disappointing. This is a really good group of guys, and they got along really good, and they had fun. Yeah, but you weren't productive in the playoffs. And that's what really matters. And that and that's the intriguing thing, Chris, um, about they, they tied with the Phillies, right? Is that, is that what happened? Who's that? The Mets, they tied with the Phillies. Uh... Except they... Philly's got the division over uh, percentage points or head-to-head. I think they had the same record. Let me check that. Standings. Uh, it was over Atlanta. Philly, uh, Phillies won 87 games. Braves okay. and Mets both won 101, and I believe the Braves had the head-to-head. Yeah, I believe so, because they had the same record in the Braves, I believe. Um, were the yeah the Braves are the two seed, so yeah, so they got they ended up getting they ended up getting the division. So, as much as you look at the record and you say, "Oh well, 101 wins," Ben, I mean, they, they did what they needed to do, but they're a wild card team. Best two out of three. And I think, uh, to your point, how how this game can be changed uh, just by the way it's played. Football, it's one game. Anything can happen. The best team, the Kansas City Chiefs, could go into Cleveland and, and get their, their uh, ass kicked. Because it can happen. But, you know, if the Chiefs and the, and, and the Browns play five times, I would say the odds are the Chiefs are going to win nine times out of ten. The Mets played a three-game series, and they lost two of them. That's kind of what happened. If they if they got into a five-game series or seven-game series, I would think if you have healthy Jacob DeGrom, which I think he is, but you never know with Jacob DeGrom, and Max Scherzer, you're probably putting them on the mound. What would you think? Uh, those two, five times, five times in a, a seven-game series, you're gonna try to make that work. Oh, between the two of them. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you go, you go one and two, and then you go four and five, and then uh, whoever started games one and four starts seven. Right, and then the other one makes himself available uh, game seven. You're increasing your odds of winning because you're putting two of the best pitchers in the game on the mound for four at, at you would hope at minimum uh, three games and you try to win it out. But with a three game series, and if you don't win that first game with your horse, Jacob DeGrom, now you're behind the eight ball. And then you, you just, it, it, it's unfortunate for them. They won 101 games, 
which is an outstanding number in most years. But unfortunately, this year, with bad baseball and just the fact that there are a lot of teams with 60 wins and their division in division, Washington is just god awful and they traded their best player midseason. It was a recipe for them. They were going to need to win more than Atlanta, have that opportunity to have a five game series, increase their chances. But like you said, they didn't perform. Despite the fact that they only had three games, a three game series, they didn't perform. They didn't come out there and, and, and win the games that they needed to win. And I think that's indicative of kind of their ha- second half of their season where they just kind of, I don't know if they want, I don't know if coasting is right, but they had a substantial lead on Atlanta and Philly. Yes. And Atlanta just didn't go away. And I've seen that and you've seen that where a team just builds this lead and then the second half of the season, they kind of coast. And somewhere in the playoffs, they just they just get outed because they're just they're not peaking. Atlanta's Atlanta's peaking right now. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of it plays out. Um, looks like the Guardians and uh, Yankees are two to one New York right now. Um, it's only a game happening right this second. Other games will happen later today. Uh, Some else of interest. Not really too much of a surprise. Uh, not to me. I don't think to you either. Um, Twins shortstop Carlos Correa, who apparently thought he was going to get like, the biggest shortstop contract ever coming out of last season, heading into this season, uh, was a shock when he signed with Minnesota. Not a big market team. Mm-hmm. Um, but he got a contract for big money a year. A three-year deal for like, a little over $100 million, I think. And... Had an opt out after both of the first two seasons. Apparently, he's told a newspaper in, in Puerto Rico, where he's where he's a native of, that he is going to opt out and hit the free agent market again. I guess he feels that where he's at health wise with his career, he's at the top of his game, and it's the best time to be a free agent and sign that long term deal. Uh, I mean, not surprising. Kind of smart on his part. Got big money for last season. Played well, and I was going to go out again in an off season where it looks like a lot more teams are going to be spending money. Uh, last year was kind of weird. There was money. There wasn't money. I think that's still had a little bit of uh layover from the pandemic and revenue and things like that. I don't know. Just my guess. Uh, but Carlos Correa will be a free agent again. Um, so will Aaron Judge. Now, I think it's safe to say Correa probably doesn't end up with uh, the Twins again. Judge, more than likely, it's going to end up staying in New York. Um, which side of the bridge? Yeah, that's. I was going to say, I could absolutely see Steve Cohen ending up a blank check and saying, "Hey, you want to hit behind Pete Alonso or in front of Pete Alonso?" Um, which would be just a nasty combination. Only downer to playing in the NL is Judge has had some injury problems. And while, I mean, you're still running the bases as DH, it's not a day off in the field. 
you wouldn't have that luxury. You'd have to just not be in the lineup at all or just pinch hit once if you went to an NL team. I think he stays with New York. I think he gets an insane contract. Maybe not lengthwise, but dollars per year. He's going to be 31 by the time next season starts. He's not getting a 10-year deal for monster money. I don't think. Maybe we've seen crazier things happen. For my money, if he doesn't end up with the Yankees, he ends up with the Mets. Um, am I off base there? You, you think that's the same outcome? Do you think he's going to end up somewhere else? And where do you think Correa ends up? So, I think you're on base with, with Aaron Judge. I think – I don't think he's leaving New York. There's a lot of rumors swirling that the Mets might hand him a blank check. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, there's rumors about the Red Sox maybe handing him a blank check. Nah. I don't attribute to that. I think it's it's funny to, to kind of troll Yankee fans a little bit, but I think Brian Cashman's smart enough to look at Aaron Judge's season in a – in a vacuum and not as a true a true accounting of what he does he's got two seasons where he's you know hit 50 plus and the rest is mired in injuries so i don't yeah yeah we're talking about aaron judge not john carlos stanton oh wait a minute same thing that's right okay yeah yeah okay um so i i think someone's gonna pay him I think the Yankees are going to look at it. I thought they, um, I thought they put the DH as a universal. Oh, I forgot. Really. I forgot all about that. I think I think you're actually right. They may have. They may have already decided that. So I, that might be a completely useless point I just made. Um, if that's the case, I think the, uh, the odds go up because I yes. think Steve Cohen will hand him a blank check because he's already a star in New York. It'd be a huge grab, and him and Alonzo in the middle of that lineup, along with some of the other talent the Mets have. Would be and, huge, and Lindor. Yeah, I'm just not, oh yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, God, you have two, three, four Lindor, Alonzo, Judge, whatever order the two of them are going to be in. That's right. That is nasty. I am intrigued by Correa, and I'm intrigued because we saw this coming, just by the way the contract was structured, his age. The, the landscape of, like you pointed out, what was going on last year. Uh, and I think how things might turn out this year. Uh, I'm looking at two teams, Chris, uh, that have free agent shortstops. That's the Dodgers and the Braves. Trey Turner and Damsey Swanson, uh, Swanson are both free agents. And, and I think we're on the same page on this. Unfortunately, the Red Sox shortstop is probably going to opt out of his contract. And that might result in a vacancy in Boston. So I think what Correa is doing is he's playing the numbers. He's looking at all his options. Cause if you're the Dodgers, sure. They'll probably bring Trey Turner back at what is predicted 33 a year. The Braves could bring back Damsey Swanson at about 25. Uh, or each of the teams could look at it and say, we want to upgrade. And same thing with the Red Sox. Are we upgrading to Carlos Correa for 35? Because they're right now, Xander's at 20 million. 
and I think it goes up a little bit, but not much. He's a straight up free agent, right? Who? Xander? Xander? No, he had, he would have to opt out. Okay. Which everything's pointing to him opting out. He's opting out for sure. Yeah. Um. So there's four teams right there. I, I'll count the Minnesota Twins because they may be looking for a shortstop. Um. And I think they're trying to build something to push to the postseason. So I don't know if it's a, it's the time to take a step back and, and build through the farm system if you're the Twins. But, I mean, Lindor's $34 million, Corey Seager's $33 million. I can see Carlos Correa getting 35 again. Yeah. In Boston, I can see him getting it in L.A. As scary as that is, Chris, it could happen. Um, I could see it happening. Could I see it happening in Atlanta? No, but could they also make the same deal as the Twins made with him? A huge jump in the market price, but for low years and obviously add that opt-out clause. I can see that happening. Uh, it, it intrigues me on what's going to happen with Carlos Correa just because of how it's how the landscape is laying out and i haven't even talked really about the other free agents on the other positions this is looking just solely at the shortstop position yeah this this is where free agency and baseball gets weird uh wait were you done you kind of froze up there a little bit yeah all right i want to cut you off i couldn't tell you were just like freezing um (laughs) this is where it gets weird because like the Red Sox have Bogarts. The Red Sox have had Bogarts since what he signed when he was what sixteen or seventeen, something like that. So you know, through the system, I mean, and now he's a fantastic player. It has been for a couple of years now, and like he knows your system. He's involved in your community. He does charities. He's you know, um, I don't think there's any like legal issues or anything. He's a positive influence, and it's like. You're gonna potentially let him walk because you want to lowball him on price. Yep. But he's a he's a he's a homegrown guy. He's a farm system guy. And I think it sends a bad message when those guys don't get the big contracts with their team. And they have to go somewhere else. And then you're gonna turn around and give a guy like Correa, which super talented, not a knock. It's not like if they end up getting him, I'd be disappointed. But you're gonna turn around and pay him even more. Because Bogarts isn't getting 35 a year. He's a damn fine player. He's going to get paid. But he's not getting 35 a year. Bogarts is probably going to set the market. Uh, Bogarts. <laughs> Excuse me. Correa is probably going to set the market there. Uh, and I mean, you're going to pay him. And then you got Devers sitting there still needing a new contract. And Devers is even more of a rare animal, which is a left-handed power hitter who can play pretty decent defense who's had a lot of influence from David Ortiz and is still super young. The best is still to come for that guy. You got to lock that guy up. Honestly, if I had to choose between two, Bogarts, Devers, I take I take Devers. I know it sounds crazy, but I would take Devers just because of the pure potential that's there. Uh, but, I mean, you're going you're gonna to entertain potential signing of, of Aaron Judge, and I know it's only rumor and conjecture. It's not anything that actually was like a – Official conversations. Potentially doing that for what? This guy's going to get 45 50 a year. Let's be real. He's going to get a lot of money a year. 
It's not going to be a 10-year deal. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if he came out tomorrow. Well, okay, tomorrow, yeah, I would. But as <laughs> soon as it's eligible to, Yankees sign him the four hundred four years for $200 million. Or the Mets get him for two years for, or four years for two twenty five, Something insane. That's what it's probably going to take. Uh, and he's going to, you know, he, he's smart enough to know this is his, this is his, came off one of the best offensive years in league history. Certainly team history and for the history of the Yankees, as much as I'm a Red Sox fan and hate to admit it, that is a storied franchise with a, a, a plethora of Hall of Famers and amazing moments and, and, and talents. And you have one of the best seasons coming off age 31. You probably got another three to five years in that window where you can be a really dominant, game-changing kind of player. Provide, you know, injuries, assuming no injuries. He knows he's going to get paid. You're going to possibly entertain that and let a guy like Devers walk? Or, and I know he's not this season. I'm just saying he doesn't have a new contract. Take care, take care of your house. Take care of the guys you want to have here. You can't say Bogart's endeavors are our top priority and then turn around and start, you know, hearing through the tea leaves that, oh, they're interested in this guy. Oh, they're interested in that guy. Oh, they're in there. Yeah, we know you are. Everyone is. You think everybody would want Aaron Judge in fourth form? There's only a few teams out there that probably have somebody out there who they wouldn't trade for. Maybe the Angels and Mike Trout, but I think Trout actually leads off or hits third or something. Anyways, take care of your own house. This is why... You win a World Series, Boston, and you're not competitive for another couple of years. You win a World Series, and you come back the following year, and you're not nearly the team you were the year before. And it's the reason why other teams are competitive year after year, because they spend the money and they get the results. For all you want to say about the Dodgers, they're perennial, they are perennially in this position with their favorites, and they're winning 100 games, and they look like a force to be reckoned with, and they are. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I don't know. Just my rant about Boston. I get frustrated sometimes because they don't pay their guys that are homegrown, and then they turn around and they pay other guys who have no idea what it takes to play in that city, that franchise, the criticism from the media, the fan base. And you have guys like Devers and Bogarts who do, who can handle it. Well, at least one of them is probably going to end up on a different team. Bogarts is opting out. He'll be gone. Devers, I don't exactly know 100% his contract situation, but he can't be far from free agency. Pay Devers him. is in arbitration three coming up. Yeah, so it'll be free agent next year or a year after? It'll be the year after. Yeah, pay him. Stop with this. Enough arbitration. This guy's proven himself. Give him his contract. And then you can sign free agents with whatever you have left. Keep your own talent in your house. And what's more annoying, Chris, is that they're probably going to dick around with Devers in arbitration. Uh, I got a prediction here of $17 million he'll get it. In uh, arbitration, which is uh, increase to six million, and he'll probably ask for more. And sure. you know what the Red Sox are going to do? They're going to lowball him. And what what annoys me? And and let me be clear about this: this is not their. This is they have one hundred twelve million dollars in payroll availability next year. The Red Sox to to go to the tax threshold, which is. 233. Um, that is not factoring in all the players they have for arbitration. So a lot of that money will be gobbled up by players. So do they have 112 in, uh, available payroll? No, they don't. 
they have a lot, you know, Devers is included because he's got arbitration. You know, Ryan Brazier's an arbitration. Alice Verdugo's in arbitration too, which is a waste. Um, and then they got players that are, um, you know, whether they have club option, player option, they're factored in for now, but it could change. Are they going to keep James Paxton at a $13 million club, club option? Who knows? All I'm going to say is if you have $112 million available in the next year to get to the tax threshold, and you're going to say goodbye to Xander Bogarts. You had better lock up Raphael Devers. I, I'm telling you this. And and Chris, they didn't hit the tax threshold this past year, which you know what that means. It resets. So any you know penalties you incur reset after you don't hit it. That means they can push above that threshold if they wanted to, which I think personally, it means you could sign both of these guys. And Bogart's biggest beef is the fact that for the next three years he signed, or four years he signed for, he signed until age 33. So he's 29, right? He's got four years left at 20 mil per season. That is what the issue is, is now you have Javier Baez is the fifth highest paid player, uh, shortstop, at $20 million with him. And I'm sure that's going to increase over the next few years. Oh, yeah. As, as he stays the same and everyone else is going to start going above him because Trevor Story makes the same amount of money as him. And he's playing second base. And we just talked about two players. Um, who, who did I just discuss? Trey Turner and um, Damsey Swanson. They're probably mm-hmm. both going to jump over him. Carlos Correa is probably going to go up even more. Uh, anybody else? Fernando Tatis, is, as soon as his contract starts kicking in, is going to really drive his, his uh, AAV up. I'm perplexed on why they couldn't get a deal done with Devers. I am because I just, I see the value in him. I see the, as you point out, he's a left-handed power hitter in Fenway who can, who can rake. He's, he's got a proven track record. He seems to have his weight under control, except for the COVID year. He's almost 30 home runs a season. Could you get a little bit more from him? Yeah, but I would say this year, Chris, their problem was the leadoff position. Yeah. And they got to figure that out. But I just, I can't imagine going into next year and they're going to say, okay, Trevor Story's going to move to, sec- uh, to shortstop. And Christian and Royals will be start, are starting second baseman. I, and Xander's somewhere else. And they're going to stick around with Devers on an arbitration three. Which they're means gonna, they're not going to pay any pitchers. They're not going to bring any pitchers in. They're going to rely on the, on a makeshift bullpen. They're not going to bring in a solid closer. 
They're not gonna. They're not. I don't know what happened to this team. And it has, after Epstein left, it's like everything unraveled. The whole plot just fell apart. It, it's build the farm system, which means the team goes down, and then Dabrowski came in, sold the team pretty much, <laughs> like got the World Series win, and now Heim Bloom just said, "Yeah, we're gonna build through. We're gonna. We're gonna. I'm gonna treat this like Tampa Bay." It's not Tampa Bay. It's the Red Sox. It's not. And I think it's it's a half and half kind of thing would work good for him because you can actually afford to bring players in at key positions and then develop other talent. But it it seems it has to be one or the other. I don't know. Before before we get to the NFL, I got an interesting interesting, uh, landing spot here for Correa. I was thinking where would be the best spot for him because I don't really know. If he want, Houston probably would have paid him decent money. He could have stayed. Wasn't going to break the bank, but he could have stayed. He clearly knew what he was doing. He wanted to go make good money this this past season that just completed while still maintaining his options for future potential contracts going forward. Very smart guy. With Tamara's agent, whatever, he knows what he's doing. But I don't know if he wants to be competitive or just get a big payday. Like um, uh, the guy who went to uh, – um, uh, Rangers last year, uh, Seager, Corey Seager. Yeah, he wasn't going down there because he thought they were repeating. He or thought they were going to be competing. Yeah, he saw a huge payday. Took and that's fine. That's his choice. No problem. No, no judgment or nothing. Just that's what happened. So I don't really think this will necessarily happen, uh, but it's an idea. Um, because this team's got a lot of money coming off the books, and they could use a signing to kind of boost morale a little bit. Um, St. Louis Cardinals. I know they have, I know they have Paul DeJong at shortstop right now, and he might be great. Honestly, I don't know National League. I don't follow him all that much. I'm not a Cardinals fan, but Yadi is retiring. That's ten million a year. Pujols retiring. That's two and a half. And Adam Wainwright is also retiring. And that's seventeen and a half million a year. You can take the money from those guys leaving. I probably put it on the table to Correa, maybe add a little bit more, and you could pair him with Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado in that lineup. That first, second, and short—that'd be a pretty crazy infield, and be competitive. It's a great historic town. He'd be in the spotlight without being in the big city. I mean, I know St. Louis is probably a massive city, but compared to like New York, as far as like how. The media treats the players as probably night and day. I don't know. I was looking at the teams, and um, I mean, it makes sense to me. If I were him, I'd I'd be leaning that way. I'll give you some perspective, Chris, because I think you might be onto something. Uh, their total payroll last year was uh, when I say last year, I mean twenty twenty two, was one hundred and seventy million dollars. Obviously, nowhere near the tax threshold, which is kind of how the Cardinals operate. Um, the 2023 payroll as of today is 84 million, and they got a, quite a few players that are arbitration. You know, one, two, three, mm-hmm. four. So they have some money that they're going to have to deal out, but it's not. It doesn't seem like it's crazy money that they're going to have to shell out to any of these guys, um, and. I don't think 
I, I don't think it's crazy to think that. Um, they, they could just, you know, they could trade um, Paul DeYoung. He's got decent money. He's not crazy. They could find a, one of those teams that, you know, is kind of the team left out of musical chairs at shortstop. They could just say, hey, you know, instead of go dipping your toe into this, you know, Minnesota, here's here's a known amount of money that you're going to have to pay over the next few years. Here's Paul DeYoung. He's solid. He's not flashy. And he's 29 years old. And then they go and they just shove all that money in front of Carlos Correa. And, you know, you're not – I don't think you're far, far off, Chris. I don't think you're far off on this one. He's not the offensive threat that it – Carlos Correa is, but he's a good, solid player, and maybe that's what the, maybe that's what, the Twins would want. Maybe that's what the Red Sox will want. Maybe, I don't know. The Braves make a decision to go somewhere else other than Damson Swanson, or there's a lot of versatility there, and I think, I think you're you're hitting it right on the head that. If there's one thing the Cardinals will do is they will, they will make a splash deal every so often, usually a trade, Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado. I don't think this is far off base for them to say, hey, we have the revenue that we can deal with. We can make it work. And, and as far as that division – um, I mean, really, Chris, looking up and down that that division specifically, is there anyone in there that makes you think that they're going to actually push forward and be more more dominant than the, the St. Louis Cardinals? It doesn't. I think all four of those teams are – Christian Yelich is not getting any younger. No. And he's the best player, in my opinion, on all four of those teams. The I mean, Cubs are yeah. the Cubs are staying a step back. The the Pirates aren't getting any better. And you know Cincinnati's just gonna keep tossing their players out the door. Joey Votto is probably almost done with his career. If I'm St. Louis, I say, let's put our foot on their throat and just forget forget any of these teams even sniffing the playoffs for the next four or five seasons and you have your three four three four five yeah or two three whatever you want you have Correa Goldschmidt Nolan Arenado call it a day no I mean real quick before I move on to the NFL I'm looking at the division and like you said Milwaukee I think we've seen the best of what Milwaukee is um I mean they were close to getting a wild card spot but didn't quite cut it and Cubs seem to have the same problem the Red Sox have, which is they make head scratching trades, they sign their own people, and they let their homegrown guys walk. Uh, and uh, imagine that teams that run that way had the long had those the, the long World Series droughts. Go figure. Um, I know I'm just me being a smartass. I know that was way different time, nothing to do with it, but whatever. And pi- there's nothing from the Reds or Pirates that made me think they're gonna make a step 
forward to compete. I mean, they just it, it yeah, they have talent, but all the talent does on those two teams is hits free agency and then goes somewhere else or gets traded beforehand. Right. They don't retain anybody. They don't do what Tampa does and, and, and trade them at the right time to gain more for the future. Like, they just don't they don't do it. So yeah, I mean it, Cardinals have money coming off the books and they have three guys who are really a few good story this year as far as it being their last year that it didn't really pan out in the playoffs for them. But I think it makes sense. Is he going to sign there? I don't know. I think if you have a team, even a crap team, that turns around and, and, and says, hey, we'll give you $40 million a year just to come and be a guy who can sell merchandise for us, he might take that. I don't know. But we'll see. That's the fun part. We get to find out. So, All right. On to the NFL. That took longer than I thought, but I think it was pretty good. So, um, man, too bad nothing happened in the NFL this week, huh? Well, nothing uh, happened uh, last night, I'll for sure. Oh, my God. On the heels of another miserable, miserable uh, Thursday night game. Didn't end up being quite as bad. At least it was an exciting finish. Um, although it kind of should have been last week, too. But just... I keep seeing this meme laying around, going around that says, uh, everybody who watches these games should get a free month of Amazon Prime. Because Amazon paid mega money to be the exclusive provider for Thursday Night Football, and it's been nothing but a shit show since they started. Uh, so, In all fairness, is it Amazon's fault? No, no, no. No, no, no. Not at all. It's, it's just, I mean, a lot of these on paper look good. I mean, you figure Russell Wilson in Denver. Right. That's going to be great. And then you got the Colts. You figure Jonathan Taylor. And Matt Ryan's coming. He's going to be an improvement over Carson Wentz. Uh, and, and none of those things have really panned out. And then Taylor wasn't playing last week. And then Justin Fields. I mean, second-year guy. First year under the new coach. Going to be a whole new set of adjustments. And, I mean, the commanders are the commanders. No matter what they do, they seem to just still be in this funk constantly. Chase Young missed most of last year injured and then apparently re-injured himself and the team's not happy with him. So there's a guy that looked he could have been a breakout defensive star for years who is off and on the field and another top star that the team doesn't have a good relationship with. Go figure. Who would have ever figured that from Washington? You wanna you wanna Williams. hear a, you wanna hear a comment from Justin Fields last night? Sure. He said, We're always told that we're almost there. We're almost there. Me personally. I'm tired of being almost there. I'm tired of being just close. And there's more to it. And he, he says we'll just have to keep getting better. But uh, that's a comment understanding it's his second year in the league. That's a comment you don't really want to hear from your quarterback. No. And I'm this is this is someone who's extremely high on Justin Fields. I don't know if it's going to work out for him in Chicago. And I think this is something I said. It's something you said, something a lot of people said going into the, going out of the draft is Chicago going to be right for him. And is he going to basically his, is his career going to suffer because not just because of Matt Nagy, but when's the last time an actual good quarterback played for the Chicago bears? Oh, uh, 
I got a name in mind, and if you're under, I'd say 30 years old, you might not know this player. Okay. Uh, Jim McMahon. That's, and, and that's not even a great, a great player. He was okay, and he, he got him into the Super Bowl, and I think they won with him. Outside of that, it's like, yeah, it's been your mediocrity or worse (laughs) rex rex grossman made a super bowl with the team only on the heels of a extremely dominant defense so it's no indictment of chicago itself it's just how they're drafting and how they're developing talent i think is is a greater issue and you have a talented player like justin fields you should be able to Put points on the board and have a offense that should be similar to what Lamar's running or or Patrick Mahomes, and it's just not. It, it, it's a mystery too because you have a loyal fan base, you have a team <clears throat> that has a lot of pride, uh, and they just can never seem to get out of their own way. They make the trade, they trade up to get Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Um. I got to say, looking at the last two drafts, uh, two of the last three, the previous two, 2020 and 2021, they had the five quarterbacks in each of the first rounds. So you got 10 guys there. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because year one, we have this perception as to who is going to have the best careers out of all these guys. It's so funny to look. And I know hindsight's twenty twenty. I'm not mocking anybody or making fun of anybody. You never know until it actually gets on the field. Patrick Mahomes was supposed to be a middling, mid-level starter. That was his. That was some people's perception of him. And now he's the highest paid, arguably the best quarterback in the league. Um, you know, you could throw Josh Allen in there too. I think, and the two of them, two of them got to be one two right now. And just behind them are guys like, guys like Herbert and. Um, Lamar, Lamar, absolutely Lamar. Um, I there's guys I think, I think personally, are already going to be busts, and there's guys who I think are good, but not great, and there's guys you need to see more from. I think, obviously, Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's on the upper end of that, the positive side of that. Uh, I think there's guys like Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. You need to see more from. Zach Wilson does look great at times. Other times he looked bad, but he's looked good since he came back this year, and he has the team around him that can compete. Mac Jones, I've seen a ton of stuff I like from him. Team made the playoffs last year. Defense looks really solid this year, and not just like on the outskirts of being solid. They look really solid with good depth. And he looked like he was really coming on before he got hurt. Now you got Bailey Zappi in there. And I know that's a whole thing. Who knows where that goes? Um, Belichick's already said, regardless of who's healthier, who's not, the best quarterback's going to start for the team. And we know that anyways. Uh, so I don't want to get carried away with that. He looked really good against the Lions, but it is the Lions. But he still did what he had to do. And I still am very high on Mac Jones. We'll see. 
Then you get guys like Trey Lance. Hasn't looked good when he's played, and now he's injured, and now he's going to potentially come back year three as the starter of a team who has some pretty good talent on offense. Yeah. Who knows with him? I'm not high on it personally. Uh, I don't think Jordan Love's ever going to get a chance to start in the league. Uh, and then Jalen Hurts. People had him dead and buried. People were going to trade him out of Philadelphia. They were going to keep uh, whoever the hell else they had. They were going to uh, they traded Wentz for Hurts, and then they weren't sold on Hurts. So there was talk they were going to trade Hurts out, and they were going to draft somebody different. And all he's done is put up a season that has him on the outskirts of the MVP discussion, barely. If it wasn't for guys like Mahomes and Allen, he'd be right up there. And, and Jackson. And who knows where it ends. He, he might end up getting it. Who knows? Trevor Lawrence? No, it's only year two, but, I mean, are you seeing anything super special from him like you saw at Clemson? Um, Tua might end up being an overall bust only because of his health. I think he's shown if you put Dallin around him, he can do it. I mean, the Dolphins team looked unstoppable the first couple weeks of the season. Unfortunately, he had his, his health, you know, the concussion issues and the, quote, back injury. Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm overthinking it after just a year, two, uh, two years, three years of some of these guys. But, I mean, Burrow. I mean, he has all the ta- there's all the talent in the world on that offense. They short up the offensive line in the offseason. And, and it looks like they regressed three steps. Jamar Chase isn't Jamar Chase. Burrow isn't what he was doing last year. Um, the running game, I mean, is good. And the defense is okay. It's a team that's 2-3. and three. I mean, I know it's a tough division, but they've been losing some games they really should have won. There's no reason Pittsburgh should have beat them. That's insane. Is Burrow going to end up being... I know he played second-year Super Bowl. Is he going to end up being a... Oh, yeah, I had a couple of good years. Who knows? I mean, it's 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 so. It's it's just odd. And then you have Justin Fields, where it's like, you have all this athletic talent. I know you're only in your second year, but you're not making any steps forward. You seem to be regressing. When you look at guys like Mac Jones and Zach Wilson, and I can't believe I'm defending a Jet, but I'm just, I'm supposed to be unbiased here. Wilson, you can see progression. You can see he's learning. Yeah. You can see he's adapting to things, not making the same mistakes. Same with Mac Jones. Uh, yeah, he still makes some bad throws when he's in you know, pressure situations, but the offensive line has to get better. He has to get smarter. He's playing under Belichick. He will. I think those guys are going to be okay. How far they go on the scale of good to great, who knows? But they're going to be okay. They'll be at least good NFL quarterbacks for a while. Some of these guys, high-end picks, I don't think they're going to cut it. So here's here's where I land on this, Chris. On the year two guys, you know, Mac, Fields, uh, it's, I think it's too early. I think you need three years. I think that's fair. Three solid years of playing, and then you can get some idea of what they're going to be, what their progression, like after two years of, of Josh Allen wouldn't we think oh it was a bum yeah right so it's true it's fair joe burrow's in his third year so i think with 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 joe um was it the third year 
2020. Yeah. So with Joe Burrow, with Tua, with Justin, uh, who else am I looking at here? I have the actually, I have the entire 2020 draft, so I'm kind of picking through. That's uh, Jordan Love. Who am I missing, Chris? Jalen Hurts is, is in this draft, right? Hurts, Tua, Love, Burrow, and uh, Herbert. Herbert, okay. Those are the five first-rounders. You sure that – no, Jalen's not – Jalen wasn't a first-rounder. No, no, you're right. Jalen was the second round. That's right. But he was one of the big, the five, the big ones. Yes. That's yes. right. Yeah, that's right. Um, you're forgetting he was second. So, so the four in the first round, because I think, I think what we're seeing from Jalen is, um, first off, he he got humbled. He actually got humbled twice. Um, one, he got humbled in Alabama because he was the starting quarterback for Alabama when they won the won the national championship. And then he got supplanted by Tua. And then he had to come in and play in the uh, playoff championship um, in place of Tua because Tua got – wouldn't you know it? Tua got injured. Um, and then, obviously, Tua came in and, and won the game. Then he he got humbled because he then transferred to Oklahoma. And this is uh, the year after – Kyler got drafted first overall. So Oklahoma had no starting quarterback. Uh, Lincoln Riley runs this high-octane offense that you need a versatile, mobile quarterback with a big arm. And he thought Jalen Hurts would fit that mold. And it didn't get him a Heisman, but he, he showed flashes. He showed what he had ability um, and then he got humbled again by getting, as as you said, second round pick. Uh, came into Philly. Uh, who was starting at, when he came into Philly, Chris? Uh, was it, Hertz? Wasn't, it wasn't Nick Foles, right? No, it was it was Wentz. Ah, uh, yes. Um, and basically ended the you know ended the Wentz experiment. And like you said, there was rumors that they weren't happy with him, but. Uh-huh. I didn't believe it because how do you basically bail on your franchise quarterback, which I don't blame him for doing because we know my feelings about Wentz. Uh, I don't blame him for doing that, but how do you bail on him just to go ahead and bail on another guy who really had, he's shown something, but you don't know what he's had fully until you've given him a full season. Yeah. And that's what I, that's what my, my problem with that whole point was is, you haven't given him a full season. You haven't given him a training camp to kind of get reps, get a rhythm, install an offense that works for him. Because the offense that works for Carson doesn't necessarily work for Jalen Hurts. As we've seen, it's a little bit of a different offense. It's sort of a mix of kind of what he's done at, at Alabama, tied in with some of what Baltimore does with, with Lamar. Um, you've seen a maturation of Miles Sanders. I will say that. Uh, and I just think they need to develop the passing game a little bit more. So Jalen Hurts is kind of the one that's, as you point out, is, is standing out a little bit. Because um, you've seen health issues with Joe in his first season, Justin a little bit, two obviously major issues with health. And who's the fourth one I'm forgetting on that? Joe... 
to uh, Herbert. For that, that year? Yeah, that year. Jordan Love. Jordan Love. Oh, well. I mean, do I need to do I need to say anything about Jordan Love? <laughs> no, Aaron, he, you're good. He he got screwed because of Aaron Rodgers, basically. And like I said, Chris, I know the Packers front office feels right. And didn't I say if they didn't draft, if they didn't trade him this off season, his value is going to be nothing. Yeah. Right now, if you traded Jordan Love, if I'm a team, I'd give him a six round pick, maybe. Oh, but if I'm that, not, if that, if that, most likely a seven, because I don't know what I have. I don't know what I'm getting. He hasn't played in what. He's been in the league for this is his third season. He barely played his fourth his his last year in college. So it sucks for him, but I, looking at it, Jalen Hurts looks like the the standout. Just because uh Herbert's been a little inconsistent. Talent's there, just a little inconsistent. Yeah, there's more development there, but I think I think yeah, you can just see you can see it though. It's there. Like he's Oh yeah. And again, if I think he's continued to progress each season. He's done well this year, uh, but he had said that he did have the broken rib, which I'm sure is still broken, and right. he's playing through that. So I do give a little bit of leniency there, and toughness goes a long way with me too. He could just say, "I'm taking a month off," but he can walk. Uh, that's why, you know, I know everybody's all happy on Bailey Zappi, but like, I like the fact that Mac Jones was like. Still out there. I know he was just standing there throwing the ball, but he wanted to try to play even after he had that injury. They said it was going to take him six to eight weeks. The guy was still trying. He came off a game where he was he played hard nose. He played smart. He showed emotion. Yeah, Baltimore beat him, but he showed a lot in that game, and they started to let him go a little bit. So, I mean, I like Mac Jones. I still think he's the quarterback of the future. I'm excited about you know Zappi playing well. It's not bad to have a good backup, and you can also trade him. Which Belichick? Well, believe me, if Zabby has a couple of good games still, yeah, and he doesn't mess up, and Jones comes back and he does fine, he stays a starter. Zappy will be traded in the off season. Oh, absolutely. Belichick will move him because Belichick does not keep the. And what he was a no controversy. He was a fourth round pick, right? Yeah. They trade I, him, it, if they it, trade him for a fourth round pick, Belichick wins. Here's the thing, too. Say Zappy comes out, and I'm not saying Tom Brady 2.0, but say he comes out. And he plays good each week, and he plays smart, and he remains the starter, and his team makes the playoffs. They will trade Mac Jones in the offseason also. And they'll get pretty good. At, uh, they'll not get a first round for him, but they could probably get a decent second round pick in a trade for him. He's young. He's talented. And it wasn't like there was any negative reason. It was just somebody outperformed. It, 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 really, it really comes to this, Chris. They need to expand the offense to see if Billy Zappi can do it. Or Bailey Zappi. Sure. Um, it was a lot of running. Yeah. And a lot of easy passes. Not saying it, any of it's easy, but it's like for a NFL quarterback, it was a lot of easy passes. He made a few good passes out a little bit. Uh, I'm just trying to hold back a little bit just because – I don't know. I want to see a little bit more. I want him to see it expanding. He had a whole week of, of practice this week as well, so we'll see what he does on Sunday 
against the Browns. Unfortunately, the Browns will be without, uh, I think it's sell it, Denzel Ward and uh, Jadavian Cloudy will be out of the game. So there's two defensive starters that he won't have to face. Um, I want to see a little bit more, though. I do want to see a little bit more. I want to see him expanded. I know with Mac Jones, they were trying to stretch the field a little bit more, uh, whether it's Devontae Parker or Nelson Aguilar. They're trying to trying to get downfield and make those big plays. Now they're doing what they're good at. They're good at running the ball with Ramondre. Uh, and a little play action. The screen game's not there as far as what I've seen, whether it's running back or wide receiver screen. So I don't know. I, I, I'm in wait and see moment with Bailey Zappi for me. It, it's, I think Mac will get his job back, to be honest. They're just not going to expand this. They're not going to expand this, this offensive playbook for him mid season. They're going to, you know, tr- uh, trickle in here and there. Uh, they're looking at their competition. They're looking at, Chris, you got to admit, they're looking at Miami and saying, we have an opportunity because uh, they don't know when two is going to come back. They right. have an opportunity to, they're one game behind Miami and New York, and they're going to have uh, New York two out of three weeks uh, coming up. They have them uh, before the bye and after the bye. Mm-hmm. If they have Mac Jones back for then, I mean, and they can keep evolving this offense and progressing it. Like you said, Wilson's been okay. He's been good. He's been bad. You don't know what he is. Uh, and Buffalo is going to be Buffalo. We know what they are. Yeah. If you can split with them, great. If you can't split with them, you could still fight for a wild card spot. Yeah. Right? Yep. So. Um, and to kind of get back around to your point on the, the second-year guys, the only one I'd be concerned about really right now uh, is Justin Fields, to, to be honest. Because I, I, I think Mac Jones, I think he's given the weapons, he'll be really good. Just like any other quarterback. Give him the weapons, he'll be really good. Uh, can he be earth-shattering? I don't know yet. We didn't think Tom Brady would be earth-shattering until 2006, 2007, and all of a sudden he starts lighting it up. And in fairness, yeah, exactly. I was going to say, he had a good three, four years of starting before he became the offensive uh, juggernaut that he became with those huge stats. Before that, it was timely drives, right. smart decisions, and defense. And and you could probably see them pull back the uh, deep passes a little bit uh, coming up just because they're seeing the production in the running game and it's almost like they're forcing some things out there just because of the moves they made. I can see Bill Belichick saying to Patricia, hey, do what we're good at and everything will fall into place. And if players get, you know, are complaining and not getting the ball, hey, make the plays that we put you in a position to make. And if you don't make them, there's nothing we can do for you. But um, as I look at the other the other players, like Justin Fields is the one that stands out to me because I'm not worried about Trevor. Right. Trevor had a screwed up first season. Zach Wilson, he's going through some stuff. 
and with with the injuries, I, I want to kind of give him a pass on this year a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think um, that's fair. Trey Lance, I, I'm kind of out on him now. Like, I, I just don't see a future really. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think I'm kind of out on him. So Justin Fields is really the only one that I'm truly concerned about because he still has a chance to to ascend to a high level. But unfortunately, I think he's in the wrong organization to do that. We're talking about uh, Bears quarterbacks before. I saw a stat there in a week. I can't remember where it was. It said that uh, if Tom, if you took the stats, Tom Brady's stats from just his seasons after he turned 40, he'd be the Bears' all-time leader in many statistical quarterback categories. That's sad. Passing yards, touchdowns, wins, things like that. Just, just by, by a lot. Like, right. So that's that goes to tell you, the Bear, well, the Bears are an organization built on their, the pride of their, their great defenses over the years. Not necessarily known as the offensive juggernaut. I know they have players like Gale Sayers and things like that, but they're more known. Of course, Walter Payton. Uh, they're more known for their their defense and the monsters of the midway and all that. But uh, let's let's you know it'll be interesting to see some of these second year guys do when Matt comes back. And um, I just think it's exciting. I think Mac will get his job back too. I like Mac a lot. I think he's gonna be really good. But it is exciting that you know what. He went out, and then the team still continued to play good defense. They almost almost beat Green Bay in Green Bay. Uh, and that's with Zappi coming off the bench, not knowing he was going to be playing, getting no first-team reps. Uh, he still played pretty well. The running game performed. Offensive line's been getting much better. Defense has been really solid all year. The only time they're bad is when it gets to the end of the games and they're worn down because the offense can't stay on the field and maintain a drive. Right. Uh, but you saw last week when that was able to happen, and the offense was able to maintain a drive and give them a rest. They performed great all game. Um, and let's not sleep on the Lions. I know their defense is not good. That was the highest scoring offense in the league by a, quite a few points coming into last week, and they shut them out. Shutting out even a bad NFL team is hard. Never mind a team that's on fire like that. So how many times it's exciting. They, how many times they go for it on fourth down, though? So? I mean, they went a lot just – just to put it, make sure we're out, it's out there. They could have kicked a bunch of field goals, and the points could have been on the board. But yeah, maybe. But but I, I will admit, the, the they were presented with many many fourth downs that could have extended drives, and the defense performed. So I do grant them that. And Matthew Judon is a monster. Slowly <laughs> moving up that. Yeah. Slowly yeah. moving up that you know that list of uh, defensive player of the year. Oh man, he's uh, he's been great. I did want to bring up another point that we did bring up last week, and it's I don't know about you, Chris. I think this is starting to become a real story. The New York Giants. Yeah, and I mean, the, yeah. The fact that <laughs> I, I understand Daniel Jones. This is you ready for this, Chris? He has three passing touchdowns and two interceptions. Hey, you know what? What are the records? That's what matters. They're four and one. They are four, four and one. And, one. And, and, and and I mean, <laughs> somehow the Cowboys were. T- Remember when we talked about the N- N- NFC East way a couple months ago, and I said I think the Eagles are a sneaky good team and they can they're going to win this division. I didn't think that going into Week Six, it would be Eagles five and zero, oh, and then Dallas, New York at four and one. I mean, that's <laughs> I thought maybe. Philly be three and two, and everyone else would have one win or no wins, and that that we'd be stuck with. 
This was statistically one of the worst divisions in football history two years ago. It was. And and now you have the Eagles who are playing damn good football, consistent football. Uh, you have the Cowboys who the only loss this season was the game that Dak went out, and they didn't look good that game. And they've come back and they've played pretty solid defense, and the offense isn't great, but the defense is good enough, and they're coming around. The Giants have actually scored more points than the Cowboys, which I didn't see coming, but they did. Um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we just talked about a team like this with the Bears, where you said Rex Grossman was the starting quarterback when he went to the Super Bowl a couple, of, well, many years ago now against the Colts. I mean, Daniel Jones is doing what he needs to do. He's not hurting the team. He's being he's serviceable. He's doing what he needs to do when he needs to do it. Is he lighting the world on fire? No. no. But we're in a league where we're so used to seeing the Patrick Mahomes and the Josh Allens and the quarterbacks that do light the, light the league on fire. The exciting guys like Lamar Jackson who can run in the end zone without tripping over their own feet. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Daniel. Uh, you know, it's it's we're used to that, but you don't have to have that to win. I mean, you play solid defense and you got a really good running game. You're going to win a lot of games in this league. And and I think both both the Cowboys and the Giants are, are proving that right now, being 4-1, and one, which I had not think either one of those teams would. Uh, the You know, the Eagles are winning with running too, but it's a different kind because their quarterback is mobile, and that's part of his offensive attack. So it's a little bit different structure. This... It's a surprising team. Do I think it's going to continue? I don't know. The defense looks solid. Um, Saquon looks great. He's been great all year. Uh, if he stays healthy, if you told me they were going to go over to London and beat Green Bay uh, and the almighty Aaron Rodgers, uh, I, I would have told you you were crazy, but they did. Was it pretty? Not always, but they won, and that's what matters. Patriots won a lot of ugly games. The last Super Bowl, they won with Tom Brady. A lot of ugly games. And then they went to Kansas City for the AFC Championship game, and nobody thought they were going to win. And they won in a shootout. They won in overtime. And then they won a Super Bowl 13-3. to Right. Which, if you weren't a Patriots fan, if you were a fan of any of the other 31 teams in the league, you are like, what the hell? This is a crap game. We were loving it because our team won, and it looked good. But you just got to win. It's not always pretty. It's not always the Mahomes throwing for 450 and five touchdowns. Sometimes it's Daniel Jones completing 12 passes for 117 yards and just doing what he had to do at the right moments. It's a funny league. It's really weird the way someone's just played out this year. And not to get off topic, but considering some of the piss poor quarterback play we've seen over the past two weeks, especially on Thursday night. Mm Mm-hmm. I think people need to ease up a little bit, including myself, on teams like Jacksonville and New England and um, teams with a second-year quarterback, even even the Jets, although the Jets are winning. Uh, it's not easy. And there, there's – it almost got to a point where there was so much high-level quarterback play that it's almost like the bubble burst, and now it's mm-hmm. like defense has figured some out, and now you have to be like next level to be able to still be uh, performing at a high level. And other guys are trying to catch up to that. We're seeing a lot of guys who thought were going to be really good 
play really mediocre football. There's been a lot of mediocre football this year. And I just think it, it, it maybe not be so tough on some of these rebuilding teams with younger quarterbacks who are still trying to find their way. Because not everyone comes into this league as Patrick Mahomes. Not everyone comes in as Lamar Jackson who play a game at the tail end of the rookie year and then come into next year and let the league on fire. Josh Allen. I was the biggest critic of Josh Allen his first two seasons. I'm like, this is why Buffalo doesn't ever win. This guy couldn't hit water falling out of a boat. He's like more mobile Phillip Rivers. <laughs> he's going to be a nice stat collector, but he's not going to do anything. And then he developed after year one and year two. He was a little better. And then year three, to after, and then year two to year three, there was a massive change. And now he's the guy we see who's going to be a perennial MVP candidate for the next decade. So sometimes development isn't pretty, but it gets the job done in the end. And now look at the Bills. They're absolutely one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. And rightfully so. Excuse me. No, I think you're I think you're on point there, Chris. Uh, you definitely need to give players time. Um, I, I think when you look at the quarterback position as a whole, it it, it is so fluid. And, and and how 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 fluid is it? How about a guy who just won the Super Bowl, who has five interceptions or five touchdowns and seven interceptions? Yeah. And 1,300 yards passing. And his team is two and three. With a guy who won the Offensive Rookie of the Year last year. Right. And you have in the same division a quarterback who has nine touchdowns and two interceptions and 1,300 yards passing and completion percentage of 75% leading a team that's two and three. Is that Lamar? No, that's Geno Smith. That's wow. Geno Smith's stat line. Jesus. Geno Smith, who is 32 years old, who's been pretty much a backup since he's left the Jets. I forgot he was in the league for like five years, honestly, because he just wasn't, he was nowhere. Right. He was backing up Russell, and then they traded for Drew Locke and drafted another guy. And it's just, and it's a, and Pete Carroll said that he's our starting quarterback. Is it translating to to wins? No, but I don't know if that's a Geno Smith problem or that's a defense problem. They had one blowout loss against the Niners, 27-7, but every other contest, it's close games, and unfortunately for the defense lately, it's been close games on the higher end. Um, a 39-32 to loss to the Saints this past weekend and they edged out the Lions 48 to 45 the previous week. So you know, it's it's rebuilding that defense for for Pete and and entrusting Geno Smith clearly. I'm sure they've dumbed down the playbook. I'm sure it, 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 someone like DK Metcalf is probably not thrilled about it. He's got 28 receptions on 372 yards and two touchdowns. And Tyler's not much better. Yeah, I'm not thrilled either. I have him on a fantasy team. I really need him to perform. So so if we could go off for like a 10 for 103 touchdowns this week, that'd be great. Gino, but thanks, I'm buddy. Sure that, I'm sure that flies in the face of the whole process where why he has a 75% completion percentage is yeah. 
he's probably only throwing high percentage uh, passes. And now they've lost Rashard Penny for the rest of the season. So another loss. So it is interesting to look at the quarterback position because it is like glorified almost too much, but it is essential to your team succeeding to have a competent quarterback. Otherwise, you know, you, you're like Ron Rivera, who went on this tirade last night after the game about how his quarterback gets bashed. Yeah. And it's not fair to him. I, I don't know if you heard that, but I was just like, I get the frustration because all the the crap with, with, with Dan Snyder uh, going on, I'm sure that has weighed on him. But you're 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 the head of the football team. You kind of have to pull yourself away from that and and go with the performance on the field. And and you have to be honest with yourself if you're Ron Rivera. He has not performed to the expectation, even to what you thought you would get from him. And it's not to say he's had a bad season. He hasn't a bad season. I mean, he's got ten touchdowns, but he also has six interceptions. And that's a problem. It, it really is a problem. So, yeah, I, I, I can't help. I can't help to think, Chris, that as much as I want to sympathize with with Ron Vera and his frustrations, the fact of the matter remains. He had ninety nine yards last night in, in, in passing yards. Yeah, that's not good enough. No, it's just and it's not. Good. It's not like they're running the ball like crazy and they're letting, they're letting the offense on fire there either. No. It's not like they have Derrick Henry or Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. I know that uh, Brian, what's his name? Uh, Brian Robinson. Brian Robinson. Great story. Seems like a nice kid. Rooting for him. Hope he has a nice career. You know, was in line to be the starter and then has, you know, gets shot trying to, like, defend himself from a robbery uh, and made it back this past uh, two weeks ago. Made it back. Great story. Good for him. Not rooting against him at all. But the team he's on just drags. It's like a talent abyss. It's like even if you're good on that team, you just get hurt and you're not on the field. It's insane. I don't. It, it's. And then Daniel Snyder's the owner, yeah. and I mean that's a whole. We're gonna get to that in a second, but I just wanted to say real quick, Pete Carroll and John Schneider are smarter than they ever get credit for. I know they get a lot of credit, but here's this guy everyone is saying is an MVP candidate, and Russell Wilson. Even Russell Wilson's believe in his own hype. He still thinks he's. I don't know. He's he's. He's delusional. I'm going to trade. I want out of here. I'm going to get out, you know, whatever he wants to trade. And they trade him to Denver. Everyone's like, I can't believe they did that. They sent their franchise back years. They got picks for him. They got a good tight end for him. Uh, they got, you know, Drew Locke. So they got someone to hold a clipboard for Geno Smith for him. Uh, and Russell Wilson, I mean, he. And somebody tell him the season started because he's been abysmal. Even when they win, he's not good. And this is a guy everyone's like, let Russ cook, which is a stupid phrase. He ain't cooking nothing. He's calling for takeout. Like, this guy is not, he looks washed. He looks like Roethlisberger did last year. And now, if you want a good laugh, go to NFL Memes on Facebook. And they have a bunch of, like, apparently, Russ, whenever since he got traded to the Broncos, his thing at the end of press conferences is like, Broncos country, let's ride. And they have a bunch of let's ride memes that are hilarious you will laugh out loud um it is they're friggin hysterical that's a funny site anyways i like that i like that page but um 
yeah, this guy, I mean, he's he's going to get traded to Washington next year the way he's going. <laughs> or or the Colts, as they attempt to have yet another starter as a stopgap for Andrew Luck. Uh, somebody can tell him they don't have to have a stopgap until the end of his career would have been. They can actually get somebody who can be there for more than a year or two in his place. But uh, you want to get to, well, we're in a little bit long here, but you want to get to Daniel Snyder real quick before we no, go? Just get, yeah, just real quick. So apparently, uh, it was last last year, after a whole, 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 we're not going to get into them all, but a whole mess of violations and accusations and, and things, the league looked into Daniel Snyder and Washington front office and decided that they were going to hit them with a $10 million fine and that Snyder could not be part of personnel decisions or front office. I forgot the, the verbiage, but essentially he had to be an absentee owner, right. which... Could only be good for the team. And I guess he hasn't been. There's been some things that link him to being involved in getting Carson Wentz. Right. Uh, which sounds like the most Daniel Snyder move ever, so I totally believe it. Uh, and just not cooperating with his punishment. And apparently he's come out now and said that he has enough dirt on all NFL owners. If they don't want to back him, he's going to, like, I forgot what he said. Essentially, he's going to tear the league down. Yeah. Um. You sent me a text yesterday. Do you believe it? And I said, uh, to an extent. I mean, there might be some embarrassing things he might know about a few people, like Robert Kraft in the massage parlor. Uh, although whatever you know, a single sixty-something-year-old man. And somebody else do consensually is, I mean, I know legality, woohoo, whatever. As long as there's nothing being forced there, Deshaun Watson, it is what it is. Uh, so it might be embarrassing, but it's not, it's not violating anybody's rights. Um, and you got Jerry Jones who came back apparently. Uh, I forgot what he said. Uh, so pretty much just. You know you got Jerry Jones when he talks a lot. And when Jerry Jones is short and to the point, that's probably the least amount of time, the, 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 the last, when you want to mess with him the least. <laughs> because that means he's focused. And he's focusing all of his bad cowboy mm. decisions on something else, which is probably why the team's winning right now. So he comes back after Snyder said, I'm going to expose all these owners. Uh, they, I have dirt on all of them. I'm going to this. And, and, and I guess... Uh, Jerry Jones just comes back with, uh, yeah, I doubt that, or, or oh yeah, let's see, or, or something, something to pretty much like, yeah, what do you got? Go ahead, go ahead. It's gonna be a lot worse for you than us. Uh, I think Snyder's desperate because he's always been able to hold on. Um, I mean, <coughs> excuse me, with everything that's come out over the past couple of years, if there was legitimate dirt or issues that were going to be so detrimental to the league and, and these owners and so explosive that it would it would actually affect things on, like, a front office level. The NFL as a league in itself is a different story. But the individual owners, I don't think is anything that damning. I think it's a dude who's out of touch, <clears throat> who feels his power slipping away, and who wants to try to scare some people into essentially ousting him as owner because that's the next step here, and he knows that. He's throwing his last punches, flailing to the ground. Yep. He knows he's done. He knows that team is going to go to a new ownership. He knows he's going to be forced to sell it. 
and he's trying one last ditch effort to scare the rest of the owners. So I, I don't buy he has anything that earth shattering. It's just a dude who's always run his mouth, running his mouth more. And I, for one, can't wait to see him go. So I want to believe that, Chris. But between the emails with him, or with uh, that they found out with John Gruden um, when they did the probe into the Washington Commanders, um, between that and I, if you remember that story where that uh, VP for the Dallas Cowboys was taking pictures of or videos of the cowgirl uh, cowgirls cheerleaders room. Um, that was like last year, I think. I thought that was Washington that happened with. No, that was that was that was not was that Washington. Dallas. I thought one that was Washington. That was Dallas because the guy retired and it was suspicious that he was retiring. And then the story came out about him. Uh, remember, I, I I think I showed you the link, um, the diagram of where his office was and. They, they showed how it made no sense for him to go over there at all. Um, right. But I think with those two plus the things that we don't know, I just believe there's a chance that he's just going to know stuff. And he, he seems like the kind of person, and please <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's the kind of person that, He's going to take that tidbit of whatever it is. He's going to put it in his pocket and he's going to say, I'm going to use this on a later day. I'm not going to use it now. I'm going to use it on a later day. And he's just kind of accumulated that because he kind of seems like we, we you know, he's kind of an ass and, and kind, not, ki- kind and, of, well, I don't know. him. And personally. the award for understatement of the year goes to, I don't know him personally. So I'm just going to like, say kind of an ass i think in this situation it's kind of safe to just say yeah without knowing him personally um, most situations i'd be on board with you yeah you don't know but this guy he's an ass uh i just feel like some people in some situations might feel comfortable telling him stuff or getting into situations with him that they wouldn't normally get in other situations and he kind of just lulls people in this false sense of yeah i'll keep it under under wraps and then he's just got all this stuff on people that, boy, I think it's possible where he can just, oh, you want you want me out? Click. Here you go. ESPN, you know, USA Today, AP, whoever. Here. Here's all these emails I have. Here's all this documentation of this, 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 and this. This owner, that owner. I mean – Maybe not every one of them, but there's some. I'm sure there's some owners that have gotten real comfortable and around him that he might have something on. Here's the thing, though, and you're, you're, it's very possible you you could be 100 percent on 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 base there. Um, my thing is just by saying this, you can't. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. No. He know that's why I say I think he's just grasping because he's throwing it out there, hoping people be like, "Oh, well, you know, well maybe Dan Snyder's not that bad. I'll back off." Okay, cool. He knows that's not going to happen. I know he's a rich, delusional jackass, but like he's got to be smart enough to know that it's just, it's not just going to go away now. 
the league's not just going to go away. Like, now, what you've essentially done is you've put the owners in a bad spot. And now Goodell has to do something because Goodell isn't there because he's so qualified for this overpaid position. Right. Goodell's there because the owners get to do what they want and he just takes the blame for it. That's what a commissioner does. And he gets paid handsomely for it. So now he's got to stick up for, you know, his meal ticket. And they got to have their puppet in there. They don't want somebody in there with their own thoughts and opinions. So the commissioner, the commissioner and the other owners have to protect each other. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, everybody already knows. I mean, you look at the suspensions this past offseason between Deshaun Watson and Calvin Ridley. We already know this league is a joke when it comes to a lot of things. It depends on who you know, who you like, who your friends are. You really think with this much money involved that they'd be messing with this guy if they knew he had anything? I don't. I, I really don't. I think, again, there'd be some things that might embarrass some people, but anything that's like incredibly damning, I don't think, even if it has happened, it's going to be anything he can prove. Because if he doesn't have proof on any of this, it's just going to be, oh, there's bitter Daniel Snyder right. making up stories. Where's the proof? Oh, it's nowhere. And there's going to be a small percentage that believe whatever they hear on the news. Oh, this person did this, this person did that. It's not going to be big enough to get anybody removed his owner besides him. It's not going to tear the league down. Um, you know, the league's still going to carry on. And Snyder's going to be off doing whatever he's doing. I don't know. Trying on new horns or something. And I, I just, I don't think he, he, he has to know this is it. And he's just doing whatever he can to make as many people uncomfortable as possible on the way out. Again, yeah, I, I, I think, look, look, everything is on the table. Yeah. It, it, it's going to be, when it's going to come down to Chris, because I don't know if you know the, uh, the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury, which is the same owner. He is being forced to sell his team. Yep. yep. Similar, not to the degree, but similar situation that Daniel Snyder has had, where there's allegations and a lot of reports and, the NBA tends to take this a little more seriously than the NFL. Um, Donald Sterling, the former uh, owner of the Clippers. Clippers, thank you. He got forced out because of a leaked video yep. of a female friend, and that got him out. So, I mean, the, the NBA players do have more power. I'll grant, I'll grant anyone that. They're more influence worldwide. There's more influence in the league. They can control their, you know, where they want to go a little bit more than NFL players. Uh, guaranteed contracts obviously help. So now the Phoenix Suns owner, and he owns the Phoenix Mercury, which is the WNBA team, uh, he's now being forced to sell. So he was put in a position where he had no choice. But he didn't He didn't do what Daniel Snyder did, and he hasn't raised a stink. He's Basically, just trying to. I'm sure he's selling it for a profit. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Well, Donald Sterling, he sold the Clippers for like two billion dollars. Right. Like, he, I mean, absolutely, okay. yeah. Um, I'll be interested to see what happens in Daniel Snyder because if he gets back to that corner that we think is happening, two things are going to happen. 
either he's going to go all in and just dump everything and see where the chips lie, or he's going to say, okay, I need to, I need to win this somehow, sell it the max amount. It's an NFL franchise. And unless they make stipulations that, you know, he can only get back what he put into it. And then the rest goes to charity, which I don't think legally they could do, but I'm not an expert. I'm not a lawyer. Um, he can make a profit on, on his sale of his team, especially since they just changed the uniform. So that's almost guaranteed revenue at some extent for a future owner. And I'll just be interested to see what happens. Oh yeah, for uh, at sure. At some point, I would say, I would say before the end of the league year, and so we're talking March. There's gonna they're they're going to push, they're going to push him out. I, I think it's probably going to happen somewhere in, uh, somewhere after the, after the Super Bowl, but before the league year starts. And I know that's a tight window. But I think that's what's going to happen somewhere around uh, late February. Maybe I've been watching too many like uh, uh, old like like mob movies and stuff. But I'll say this much: if he does really have this dirt, if I were him, I would avoid any planes or helicopters. Oh, absolutely. Because if he actually has this dirt that could bring the league down, he will have an untimely accident quote, and uh, it'll just go away. So oh, oh absolutely. Because if you think the NFL is clean, if you think any of these organizations that make as much money as they do are completely clean, you're out of your damn mind. So, Chris, Chris, we're we're Patriots fans. We love our team. We and the owner is great. Uh, everything he does is great. But you know, there's something there that maybe he's not being truthful about. That's Bob Kraft. Sure. But I'm willing to overlook it because I don't know what it is. Right. Right. As a wash, if you're a Washington Commanders fan, you have to look at that and say, I cannot look past that. I cannot look what he did. And as much as tough it as Jerry Jones can be, has there been anything that he has done that if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, you'd be like, I can't root for my team anymore because my owner is a dirtbag? I don't think so. No. Not anything that's been like like proven, or I mean, it's certainly. I mean, Deshaun Watson's going to be playing week twelve or thirteen, right? And what he's done is is, is I mean, now there's a twenty fifth case, which just came out against him. So we'll see. I mean, he's still going to be playing. So I mean, nobody. I mean, aside from killing somebody, you can't do much worse than Deshaun Watson did. Owner or player or regular civilian or otherwise. I mean, so. I don't know. It's weird. It's it, it's weird being an NFL fan at times. It's like you, you kind of have to look the other way. It's like being – I've always been – if something entertains me, I, I, I have to try to just focus on the part I enjoy and, and leave out the fact that a lot of very creative and successful people are just shitheads. There's a lot of bands that I like, a lot of music that I like, and, and, and I – don't have a high opinion of the people who are in the band, but I enjoy the final result being the music or movies or things like that. Um, I mean, anything that comes out, I got to say, as a Patriots fan, if it came out that Robert Kraft was, what he was doing in the massage parlor was non-consensual 
or he was part. Remember when it first came out about him in a massage parlor? Everybody's like, oh, he's part of a sex trafficking ring. Yep. Which has already been completely disproven. That was complete conjecture and rumor by people trying to make a name for themselves in the media. Right. Um, if that had come out, I don't think I'd watch the Patriots anymore. And I love this team. I love this team. But I'm not going to support that. Uh, you know, if I was a Browns fan, I'd have a hard time going to a game watching Deshaun Watson. I mean, I would. And it's it, it's it's a tough thing because like so much you can put up with and then you know something. When something, things there, there's lines. Yeah. And people can go up to, up to the line and they can live on the line. And a lot of these people do live right on the line where they're not directly hurting somebody, but it's just poor behavior. And it's like, all right, I can look the other direction. It does get to a point, though, where you're like, okay, I can't anymore. Like, I, I, I can't. To me, honestly, uh, with it being consensual, what Robert Kraft did isn't that big a damn deal to me. I really don't care that much, truthfully. I mean, a man's single. He's in his 60s. He just lost his wife after a years-long battle with cancer, watching her suffer. Yep. And he got a hand job at a massage parlor by somebody who was doing it consensually and never said anything otherwise. Right. Um. So, I mean, you can start. The world's got more problems than that. You can nitpick at that if you want to. But, <laughs> I mean, look around the league. There's at, at least 15 to 20 things you can go. That's a much bigger deal, and that's a legitimate problem. Before you start getting on old Robbie about, you know, his downtime. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's all about that line, Chris. That's what it is. Whether it's an actor a musician, a professional athlete, someone you look up to as a, it, it, it's that line. And you know, that line, each individual person has their own line. Yep. So it's not this broad brush of a line where everyone, no, each person is different. And obviously more, some people have more of a threshold of, of understanding where some people are just like, yeah, you know, if it, what Robert Kraft did was was wrong, and I'll never root for the Patriots again, or something, the way LeBron James went about his move from Cleveland to Miami, some people that rubbed him them wrong, and they'll never be fans of him again. So, and, and I know those are like two different, completely different things. But I gotta say, on my list of reasons I dislike LeBron, that's way down there. Well, I just <laughs> I'm just giving you an instance, Chris. You know. I'm just shooting off the top of my head. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Uh, Barry Bonds and whether or not his his record is true or not, you know, what you think of him. It is. You know, I, I, right. And what I'm just trying to say is different Different people have different uh, thresholds sure. of yeah, yeah. understanding. And I think in regards to, you know, Donald Sterling, um, see Phoenix Suns owner, uh, Richardson, who was with the Panthers, how to sell his team. Um, and then obviously Daniel, Daniel Slater. Situations like that push you past um, that threshold. Uh, the situation with the Boston Celtics head coach. Yeah, yep. That That's something where last year I was rooting hard for him because I love what he did for the team. He brought them together. He had a way of speaking to the players where he could be tough on them, but at the same time, they respected him. What do I think of him now? He's a piece of shit, and I hope he doesn't come back to the team. 
what, what was just, that? What was that actual story there? Because I didn't. I don't pay much attention. There is to the NBA. so many like there's different angles, and, and you know, his can't try to get out in front of it because the Celtics didn't say anything. But basically, he had a relationship with an underling with the Celtics, which is against their policy. He tried to say it was consensual, and then things came out that it may have not been as consensual as one would think. See. That right there, that's a perfect example of what you just said, where it's lines. Yeah. Because, okay, so you have, there's a line for some people, it's mm-hmm. a lot sooner. For some people, oh, he works there and she works there. It should never happen. Yeah, but he, she was a subordinate. I know, I, I get that. I'm, okay. I, 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 I got, I, I'm, I'm getting there. Okay. Um, that in and of itself, some people are like, oh, it should never happen. It's against the rules. And I understand. Rules are rules. And if you break that, you can be... You can be fired for that and whatever, transferred, any other job. Um, I used to I used to work at a place where there was two people on our crew who were together, and they got together after they went on the crew, and they tried separating them. But unfortunately, one of the supervisors of the shift uh, was also seeing somebody who was on that crew, and that was brought to light, and everything went away really quick. Uh, so that was interesting. Um, you know, oh no, that's against policy. Okay, then whatever, in, in the course of the job, whatever it is, that's fine. If, if, and I know you said otherwise to this, it was 100% consensual. I have no ill will towards either of those people. If something has to happen in relation to the job because of policy, and you know this going in, that's a different story. But it's not like, oh, they're a crappy human being because they did this. Oh, they met somebody, they liked them, and things happen, and... You know, oh, one of the one of the the lady was married, but who knows what her marriage is like? Maybe they're just maybe they're separated. Maybe I don't, I don't know. There can be a whole litany of different things. I know people who are together strictly because they're religious and they will not separate, but they haven't been together in years. But they still say they're married because they are married in the eyes of the law. Right. There's things that happen. Certainly not condoning anybody running out and cheating. I'm just saying. There are circumstances where it's not as damning as it looks. However, when you bring the consent thing into it, and then it's like, okay, that may not be consensual. That's a massive issue, obviously. That's one of the biggest issues you can have, possibly, is if this woman was coerced or forced into doing something she may not have wanted to do because of his position on the team, that is a damning thing. And that's that's a line for me, and it sounds like it obviously is for you as well. Whereas if this is proven to be true, he needs to piss off and get out, get away from the team. Um, I guess we'll see. But they haven't fired him, by the way. No, he's only suspended for the year, right? Well, they're probably going to do a full investigation to find out more. I mean, but yeah, that that that's a line for me too. Um, but again, it's like there's people who think. Calvin Ridley should be kicked out of the league forever because he gambled. He bet $1,500 on his team to win. Calm down. That's idiotic to me. Some people, that's a deal breaker. That's a line. Smoking marijuana. Even though it's getting, becoming legal in certain states and they've discussed making it federally legal, there's some people I know. We're not even talking like the older generation. We're t- I'm talking people around my age, our age, who still think it's like the worst possible thing you can do. And despite all the science and evidence to the otherwise, yeah. that it can be helpful and it's you know, not going to cause somebody who smokes weed once in a while to go off it and, and do the whole gateway drug argument. 
who still think it's the worst thing you can possibly do. And any player who pops for, for smoking marijuana should be kicked out of the league and thrown in jail. I think it's way better than popping pills and prescriptions and things like that. Smoke a little weed, fall asleep. That's fine. Or are you going to take some prescription medication that's far worse for you overall? I mean, that to some people, that's a line. I think it's ridiculous, but it just it goes to show like there's just different areas. But I think there's certain situations we can all get to where it's like, okay, this is this has to be a universal line. Like forcing somebody to have non-consensual sex with you is one of the worst lines you can possibly cross. And you're a pile of crap if you do that to anybody. Um, but I mean, there's other things where it's like, really? All the things in the road you can get upset about, you're going to care if somebody smokes weed. You're going to care if somebody places a bet on themselves to win. Get over it. Come on. Get off your high horse. Look in your past. you never done anything shady or stupid or idiotic or you never, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just absurd. People, it's, people are so quick to judge um, on the wrong things. And then the things that are a big deal just seem to get swept under the rug. It's crazy. But Yeah, and and now, now you're, now you're, uh... And to be honest, this just came out the beginning of the month, I think it was, or the end of September. And the Celtics open open up tonight or tomorrow, like the opening of the season. So they're literally dropping. Now they put up one of the assistant head coaches who's been with the team for quite a few years um, as the interim. So it's not like someone brand new, but we're talking like middle of training camp, middle of preseason, that this shift happened. Yeah. And now you're you got fifteen guys on the roster plus, you know, the players down in uh the uh, uh minor league who how now are here like trying to figure out what they're gonna do, like how they're mentally gonna go forward with this with a guy who they put a lot of faith in who they supported hiring in the first place who had all the credentials and all of a sudden they're like wow we did not go know this guy at all and we don't know all the details obviously the Celtics are keeping a lot of things behind closed doors and I'm sure the league is probably directing them to do that because they're also trying to protect the uh the identity of the young lady that, as far as I know, I haven't seen who it is. And I'm I'm pretty sure they're trying to keep that under wraps. Right, right. You know, what happens after that is a madhouse. Yeah. If that name gets out. So, but you have 15 guys who now have to be like, okay, how are we going to approach this all season long? Not the the league is so tight knit with most players like i wouldn't worry about other players on other teams pressing them it's just all the you know the press each and every day going at them about questions that i'm sure it's just going to get on their on their nerve uh having to answer questions about what it, what is their you know their suspended head coach but at some point he'll get fired um well you would have to think yeah you would think, but I'm sure at some point they will do it. But it, it's maddening, especially since this is the same team that went to the NBA Finals last year. And 
they were they're poised to possibly repeat as the Eastern Conference champions. And maybe, I don't know, maybe they'll put up a fight against the Warriors this year. I don't know. Last year, they kind of just had two games, and then all of a sudden, Steph Curry's like, oh, I'm going to put you guys away. And that was the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, we thought it was looking good after game one. But <laughs> so, <laughs> so. It spiraled get, really quickly, Chris. I'm going to let you know. It spiraled quickly. Get this, right? So, Yankees and, and, and Guardians are, are tied at, mm-hmm. at two in the bottom of the eighth. If Aaron Judge is thinking, he may want to just get out of there. Apparently, after having one of the best offensive seasons in league history, he struck out in the fourth inning, and he got booed. Like, heavily booed. In his own home park for striking out after being the catalyst for that team to get back on track all year. So, if I'm him, I may just be crossing that bridge and taking Steve Cohen's money instead, but... He got booed for striking out once. Yeah, the guy, he damn near won the Triple Crown this year. And he got booed for striking out. By the way, I think they were up 2-1 to one or it was tied at that point, And they're up 1-0 in the series. And he got booed. It's not like they're down 0-2 and he struck out 15 times in the series. It, it, it's absurd. People, the best thing people can do is it, it, it stop listening to some of these toxic radio hosts who just go out there and say crap to get clicks, downloads, and their name across. Like, there's plenty of real sources out there that are non-biased. So he went 0 for 3 in game 1, or 0 for 4 in game 1, and 0 for 3 in game 1 with three strikeouts and a, and a walk. So that means he's, what, 0 for 1 in this game? Or Probably, for... yeah. So... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> It doesn't make sense. Like <laughs> 60, 60, what, 62 home runs, 63 home runs? Yeah. It, How many it, RBIs? He was a couple of points away from winning the batting title and the triple crown. So he, he struck out four <laughs> he struck out four times today. So so he struck out seven times in two games. Um but like so he's having a rough game. They're up like you said, they're up one oh. Yeah, and, and they're in the eighth, the bottom of the eighth. They're at home, so they could, you know, they could win it there, or they could walk off in the ninth. Like they're not out of the series yet. No, no. Like it's crazy. I don't know, man. I this think, is uh, we're we're, we're <laughs> approaching one of our longer episodes ever. I think we're almost at two hours. Oh shit! So, anything, anything else? Nah, just we'll we'll, we'll have to revisit. The, the rest of the reaction of the fans for yeah. that series. We'll have to revisit a lot of what we talked about in this episode because that's one of the reasons it was so long is because there's a lot to unpack on a lot of these topics. And we couldn't really go any further because it still has to play out in real time. Yeah. So we, we will see. There'll be a lot of lot of interesting things in the next couple of months, that's for sure. But that is going to do it for episode 187. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions for Ben or I and anything you heard on this episode, past episodes, or anything sports related at all, We'd love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTSPod. Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. The website, BCTSPod.com. And Instagram, Ben underscore Chris Talk Sports. And if you have not done so yet and you feel so inclined, please go to wherever you download your favorite podcast. Leave a rating, a review, and subscribe. And ask a friend to do the same. We greatly appreciate the support. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you right back here next week. Thank you.